0: You guys, please, if the deal doesn't make sense for you to raise all the money up front because the numbers just don't look that attractive for your investors, please move on. Do not make this mistake. I remember hearing others say the same thing on podcasts such as this. I was like, ah, that's them. I'll go ahead and do it anyway. And it came back and ended up biting.
1: Welcome back to the Real Estate Syndication Show where I continue the conversation with Sterling. And he is sharing and being so transparent about so many things that I'm learning so much from I know you are as well. I hope you have liked and subscribed to the show whether you're listening on YouTube or on your phone one way or another. We would appreciate a comment and a five-star review as well. Please stick around. Sterling shares some many, just many great tidbits that are gonna help you to improve personally and professionally to getting to the next deal also. Sterling, happy to have you back again and we're gonna keep diving in. You've just, man, so much great value you you've packed in here just from your amazing experience and journey I'm working on it, Whitney.
0: Appreciate you. I mean, we got a good dialogue going back and forth. So you're able to pull it all out.
1: Trying to. I'm trying, trying my best. So grateful for you. And, uh, but you have learned many ways to be creative when getting deals done. I think that's just part of being an entrepreneur to a big way, right? Is not saying no, figuring out what, how to get to yes and being willing to go through many no's, maybe, you know, before you get there, which we've talked about. But there's many things that you've done to find, be creative about financing deals and finding capital, whatever it may be. A lot of those things long before you started maybe syndicating deals and raising a lot of money. I mean, you you've learned many skill sets. Uh, but let's help the listeners a little bit think through some of those things that maybe they're, you know, back where you were, they don't have the capital or the credit, but man, they, they need some creative ways to think through getting that deal financed, right? Or strategies. So let's jump into some fundamentals there that you've used. From the, the fundamentals on the single family side to the multifamily, Whitney? Sure. Maybe some things where you got creative on how you finance. I know even the one deal that we were talking about before, the multifamily deal, I think it was, a, the seller was Chris, I think you mentioned. And you had to get creative or he ended up doing some seller financing. And I think a lot of times people wouldn't even like think that that is an option, but like the potential buyer or the investor, they wouldn't potentially even know that that's an option they could pursue. And oftentimes the seller wouldn't know it either, right? Like they don't even know that, Hey, maybe this is a good option for me. Uh, and so let's talk through that a little bit.
0: Yeah. And so on that particular one, just knew that, Hey, we want to get this deal done. However, on conventional route would be, a lender looking at that deal, 65% occupied, they wouldn't want to touch it because it's very risky uh, from their side. So we said that, okay, well, we could go to other lenders and start to maybe a commercial broker and start to shop it around. But we thought, why not just ask Chris, would he be open to uh, seller financing? And that was around the time where we were just looking at creative ways and we had already had in our back pocket of a seller financing option. And we just said, Hey, we actually went back and forth on price a couple of times because he actually Originally had it listed before for 1.4 million dollars, of which he had it listed with his uh, sister, and that just didn't end up working out. So the the listing expired, and he ended up just removing it. And then when we uh, ended up calling him up, is I believe we were at 1.2, we were at 600 thousand, and then we said, okay, well, let's go ahead and meet in between. However, this is our terms, so your price, our terms. Now in that case, because we still had to come up a little bit more than we actually wanted to, so that's when we said okay, we'll do the $900,000. However, it'll be in a seller finance option. And then he said, yeah, that's something I would definitely be open to after we pitch the tool.
1: Awesome. Speak to the technique in pitching it. So it was on the side and just having a transparent
0: conversation and sitting down and saying, Hey, Chris, one, we've, we've already spoken to our lenders and they said this is something they wouldn't uh, consider. So we laid it out and he's an operator himself. So he understands that it would be difficult to get financing on that property. So that's what really helped is just laying it all out. Hey, transparently, this is where we're at. We have the track record in single family. So the credibility was there for us to close on the, the transaction. So we sat down hey, this is the condition of the property. We've already talked to several of our lenders. It's not close to them even considering on it. And then that's when we said, would you be open to seller financing? And it wasn't even much back and forth. He just simply said, yeah, because there was that motivation that he wanted to be done with out of the, the property. But also top of that is that it was a three-year a balloon. So that goes to show he was also motivated to one, go with the seller finance option, but he wasn't motivated enough to do a longer term type of uh a deal or structure.
1: Wow. Okay. So three-year balloon, that's even another thing we haven't really talked about. What, what does that mean exactly for the listener? You know, if you say a three-year balloon, why was that advantageous for that seller as, as well?
0: Yeah. And what I mean by three-year balloon, it was a three-year term. And then at the end, whatever is uh, left remaining, uh, we would have to pay as far as on the, the loan. So from that, what was advantageous from the, the seller's angle and how it worked is the first year was 3% interest rate, then it would go up to 5%, then it would go up to 7%. So we were all... Also- also incentivized to either refinance or sell the property because the interest rate was steadily going up. And then also there was that. And then it was advantageous from the seller's angle to do the shorter term because he didn't want to extend it even longer because he's saying that in that side, it would be even more risk from the standpoint of he just wanted out of the business. So that's why he wanted a shorter term.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it, it incentivizes you all to get this property performing through right quickly so you can refi Exactly. And get them cashed out. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just think it is a great option for many sellers uh, and they don't even know it uh, potentially. I know there's always that question, well, who is this person I'm trusting to write to potentially buy this property while I still own it? Any other creative financing techniques maybe that you've used or, or that somebody could think through?
0: I'd say that would be the main one that was used. Outside of that was buying single family strictly cash. I believe there may have been one additional seller finance, but before that majority of single families were cash. That 46-unit deal was seller financing. And then after that were pretty much syndications. Okay. And then what kind of debt then moving forward? Yeah. So how the the ones uh, going forward besides the deal after that, it was whatever the purchase price, let's say was $10 million, then 70% of that would come from the lender. And then remaining 30% would come from investors. The next deal after that actually had to, well, that was a simple, straightforward deal too, though. That was all cash of $1.4 million that we've raised on that particular deal. Actually should not have bought that. And this is one mistake I can go into at a later point, but you guys, please, if the deal doesn't make sense for you to raise all the money up front, because the numbers just don't look that attractive for your investors, please move on. Do not make this mistake. I remember hearing others say the same thing on podcasts such as this. I was like, ah, oh, that's them. I'll go ahead and do it anyway. And it came back in and it ended up biting.
1: So y'all didn't raise all the money up front. When you say all the money, like all the money for what? So there was
0: $1.4 million for the purchase price of the, the property, and a portion of that was actually raised to take care of the renovations, but didn't raise all of the money up front to take care of the renovations because that would affected the returns to the investors. So what we said was, oh, we'll be able to take it out of cash flow. But that just didn't end up panning out because our cash flow wasn't where we wanted it to be. And then the units were turning for us to then upgrade those to get the increased rates. And there just wasn't enough cash coming in to take care of that. So I actually had to end up selling it. And this is the thing ended up doing OK to decent on that particular deal. But just think this was at 2018, 2000, no, I would say 2018, beginning in 2019 when sold that when the market was really starting to heat up, just think if we were at a different cycle, and had to sell that property. So that's why I want to share that experience with people, because it's a very common mistake that people make.
1: Yeah, no, I'm grateful for that, because I hear that as well. People think it's going to come from cash flow, and I say, man, I I want my reserves and capex and everything from day one, because you just, you don't know. Like you said, even in an earlier segment, it's like, we make those projections the best we can, right? From all the information we can possibly gather, we make sure it's as accurate as we can. Things still happen right? And we know that in this business. A pandemic. That's right. Who saw a pandemic coming? That's exactly right. Uh, and we want to be prepared. Well, I mean, probably somebody,
0: but that's all conspiracy. Theory.
1: Somebody probably saw it coming. Anyway, yeah, it wasn't me, but I'm thankful we had reserves and right all those things in place. So when the pandemic happened, it, happened, it wasn't the end of the end of the business, right? No, grateful for that. Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at whitney at lifebridgecapital.com. Well, Sterling, I want to move to a few final questions. Uh, we've talked about so many great things, and, uh, but I want to get your take on the market a little bit, or maybe predictions you may have, or how has this changed your business, or what are you, are you buying, selling you know, over the next six or 12 months, and what do you, what do you see happening?
0: Yeah, So I have been uh, selling and I am starting to see a bit of a softening in the the market. And it's not entirely shifting, in my personal opinion, to a buyer's market. There are different, such as a uh, single family, that's a little more different where the agents I've spoken to have actually really starting to see more of a softening there that properties would just be bidded up. And then also they wouldn't uh, sit as long. They would go uh, relatively quickly. They're starting to slow down is what I'm hearing from the, the boots on the ground. Multifamily is still Pretty strong because with inflation uh, that's going on, yes, interest rates are going up, but inflation is also going up. And what also goes up with inflation is rents. So rents go up too. So I still see multifamily still continuing to, for the next, I would say, especially the next six to 12 months is to still remain uh, stable. And also there's low inventory that's up there too. And there's still a high demand, but uh I would say that it still has slowed down from the uh, time of the, what people can pay for it because of those interest rates. So it's very interesting. I believe at some point it will start to expectations of sellers will start to come down to be more in line with where the market actually should be.
1: What about preparing for a potential downturn, right? Or, you know, or something big happening, or maybe it's that pandemic and, you know, the, the market's just not going up like it has been uh, and a pandemic happens and maybe some, uh, your bowler goes out, right? How are you prepared for that in some kind of downturn or all those things happening?
0: I'd say first and foremost is How you did the deal up front, which you had mentioned earlier, is having that CapEx allocated and also those reserves. So you did that on the front end and not overpay for the property and rent in the case that on that earlier deal that I mentioned is that the deal is so tight that you're not able to raise those reserves up front or let's say the additional cash to take care of CapEx, then it's just best to move on on that deal because in the event a downturn does happen, you just didn't properly protect your downside. So I would say is on the front end, is doing the, the proper due diligence in the work to help you during a oh crap moment.
1: What about, what's your best source for meeting new investors right now?
0: I'd say digital is pushing out content on the content marketing side and building a, a personal brand. That's how I found to, to be the, the most effective.
1: How do you push that out? What does that, give us a few details there. Maybe the listener could start doing today.
0: Yeah, so first and foremost, I started on bigger pockets. And huge, I mean, great resource for everyone. It's free to use and I don't get a kickback for you to signing up for a free account, but, uh, is, so that's one source is I got on there and this is when I first started is I was in the forums offering value to people and you say, okay, how can I offer value to people is what I was doing. People who were looking in Indianapolis at specific zip codes, for is I was born and raised in Indianapolis. So I would just provide my own opinion and feedback and insights. So that was one way. And then in the forums, and then also it started doing blogs on bigger pockets, And then uh, from there, as I started just doing other content uh, for them as well, a contributor. And then I started branching out myself and also just being on podcasts such as this is a great example. And also going to industry events and putting yourself out there because you never know who you could meet.
1: Yeah. Great tips. You got to put yourself out there. And that's a a step that some of you are not willing to begin, unfortunately. And this is the thing, too, is
0: if that's not you, which is understandable, it's not for everyone. And that's how it was for Jacob as an example. He's more of an introvert, more behind the scenes, running the numbers. I was that person that did that. So it's either you find someone who compliments that and will do that, or you just got to do it. Or you could pay someone instead of giving them an exchange equity within the the company. Or the last uh, one is you could just come up with the excuse and just not do anything.
1: And hopefully we don't do that. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So Sterling, what are maybe a couple of the most important metrics that you track? And that could be personally or professionally. Uh, So I would say when it comes to
0: physically is how often I am working out on a weekly basis. So it has to be anywhere between about five to six times a a week. So that's one of the things I have on a consistent basis. And then also when it comes to reading, is consistently reading. I enjoy reading autobiographies. I'm actually just now finishing the one by brian cranston if you're familiar with him uh breaking bad also malcolm in the middle i have heard of that okay what's the last one uh malcolm in the middle it's where i i grew up on as a kid so i'm a little bit younger <laughs> it, it was a great show but he was the husband in that. i'm trying to think of some, something else you may know uh from but is so i enjoy i read another one on dr j uh julius Irvin. uh what was another one I, read? I just enjoy reading those type of so there's that i, I would say those are the the main ones
1: and this may be some of the same answers okay if it is, but I one I always like asking, uh, what are some daily habits you're disciplined about that have produced the highest return for you? Consistently working out.
0: That's one. Uh, second is taking time throughout the day and just thinking. And this is one thing I've really started to sharpen over the years and the pandemic really helped for that is just asking questions and those questions lead to other questions and down rabbit holes and taking more interest in philosophy that's out there. And so one of the the things is that the philosophies I've taken on is one not taking anything personally what people do because people act in their best interest which is completely understandable and many of the times someone's best interest is not in your best interest so it's just accepting that and then also that seeing the world for what it is and not what I believe it should be so one taking on these different philosophies and just taking some time and just sitting and just thinking is one of the things that's really helped me throughout the day to just stay more poised and confident. Um,
1: have you read the book, The Road Less Stupid?
0: No, I have not.
1: It sounds funny, but it is a good one. Uh, I've got it right here. Keith Cunningham. And so every chapter in here is like its own book, its own like business advice almost. Uh, anyway, uh, but a big thing he talks about, I've talked about it on the show a bunch, uh, is thinking time and the importance of thinking time. And he helps you to, to structure that a little bit. And uh, but it sounds like like you're already doing that. You figured that out. And uh, so anyway, I wanted to give you that recommendation because it sounds like you're doing that, but it's a great book also,
0: And lastly is mitigating social media. That has been huge for me is that it's so easy to get bogged down on that because one, for those of you who haven't watched The Social Dilemma, it's a great, it talks about the effects of social media on us. And we're going against billions of dollars of technology to keep us addicted to these uh, platforms. So that's one thing I would just say, first and foremost, is really limiting my time uh, on these particular platforms. Sometimes I just go without it altogether.
1: Yeah, I, I would prefer not to be on any of them personally, if I could. It's almost a necessary evil for business anymore. But you, can, you can't have team members that do it for you <laughs> on the business side, right? There we go. Fair enough. What about the the number one thing that's contributed to your success?
0: I'd say mindset. That has been the, the make or break in how I, Actually, view things instead of looking at, let's say, the upbringing I came from. I remember having a conversation with one of my family members, and all they were doing was just complaining. And I was just thinking that that's a, a prime example of just, yeah, you can complain about things. And this is just a prime example of just complaining about things. But I look at things instead of complaining. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Okay, well, you didn't grow up in the best of environment. Okay, now what are you going to do about, about that situation? Okay, well, you don't have enough cash. Uh, you don't have the, the credit, uh, whatever the case is, to buy that first deal. Okay, now what are you going to do about it? Uh, so that's what I would say first and foremost is it really came down to, to mindset. And then secondly, is just going out there and not being afraid to to make mistakes, getting my face kicked in and just taking action. That's what I would say is the key thing. But there's a two-pronged approach to taking action. This is one thing I want to share with everyone is that I've always been the person such as a juggernaut from X-Men. Let's say there's a wall here, Whitney. I will keep running into that wall and i ultimately break through it. But there will be a ton of rubble behind me and sometimes I'll be bloody, but I'll figure out a way to get through that wall. But now how can I actually take a step back and actually strategically think maybe I can build a ladder or maybe I can go around the wall. So that's another thing.
1: Love that mindset. It's so important. It's so crucial. So I just appreciate you hammering that home. Uh, So last thing, tell us how you like to give back. I'd say by sharing my experiences,
0: that's one in my uh, story, just to show what is possible out there and then also part of Big Brothers, Big Sister. so I'll be seeking at uh, some point to get another uh, little brother which is kids that are in the, the not so good uh, environments and being able to mix with those individuals.
1: Sterling, it's been incredible to have you on the show and really us get to do a series of shows together, right? Diving in on some specific topics that you are an expert in and have become an expert. I just grateful for your transparency. I know the listeners and I both are encouraged by your story, right, and what you came from, and and even at the end, you know, you're still talking about, hey, I, I couldn't focus on that, right? I'm gonna focus on what I can do about it and how to move forward. I just think uh, so much of that is learned from those hard times, right? And just giving you that mental almost gritness, I want to say, you know, just the grit to to be able to push forward, uh, you know, and not focus on those negative things. So thank you so much. I, I mean, we we've talked about so many things that are so helpful to all of us. How can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you?
0: Yeah, so you can visit Sterling White official. Dot com. One more time, that is sterlingwhitefisher.com. Then also on YouTube, you can find sterling whites. Type that in the search bar and we'll come right up. Tons of content that I'm actually putting out on a, a weekly basis, sharing more of these stories and also more insights on just the journey from single family, multifamily, and how the journey continues.
1: Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate to Today. Have a blessed day.